Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome to those of you in person here and those of you joining virtually as well. My name is Adam Sidler. I'm a senior pastor here at North Haven Church. And first of all, before we uh, do anything else, I want to make you all aware, if you know Bev Kallstrom, if you knew Bev Kallstrom, you know that family, you know that this Saturday, or maybe you don't, is her memorial service. So Bev Kallstrom recently passed. And we're having a memorial service here celebrating her life. And uh, I invite you to be a part of that service, that memorial service, if you can. That's this Saturday at 11 a.m., uh, visitation from 10 to 11. I know their family would really appreciate that to be here in this building. And today is Mother's Day, if you didn't know. So happy Mom's Day. That's awesome. All right? Very cool. But here's what I like to call it. When I think about my life growing up, I remember one moment in particular. I had to walk home from school, you know, uphill both ways, that kind of thing, right? But I, I literally, right, had to walk home from school. It was about a mile from my elementary school. And even in the middle of the winter, right, obviously I had to do that. But I remember on very, very cold days, and one day in particular, it was like snowing, and it was super cold, and I was trudging, you know, home. And as I turned the corner onto Echo Way, and I saw my house... One thing struck me more than anything else, and that was there was a yellow light on, a light, you know, a yellow, you know, vision of that from the house where my mother was in the kitchen. And I walked in the door, and she had uh, literally, I know this sounds cliche, but milk and chocolate chip cookies ready for me. And it was just so incredible to me. It was a memory that I've carried on. I always thought of my mom as somebody who's left the light on for me no matter where I've been in my life. And what I tend to do when I think about this day, right, because I understand, you know, there are all sorts of different shapes and sizes when it comes to how we do relationships, right, and who those important people are in our lives. And not every woman is a mom, and not every woman has good memories of either being a mother or good memories of having a mother, and some have lost uh, children, uh, some have lost grandchildren, and there are also aunts and, and, and mentors and sisters and, and people, brothers and, or sisters in the church who uh, make a tremendous impact in the lives of, of individuals, including me. And so what I tend to do is I think of Mother's Day instead of, instead of um, Mother's Day, I, I say happy, awesome woman in your life day, whatever that is. And, and for me, it's, it's my mom, um, and it's also my wife, my wife Sarah, who is the best part of me. And if you know me, you don't know my best part. So you need to meet my wife, Sarah, and, and she's incredible, and she's an amazing mother to our kids. But it's not just that. It's my aunts. It's been my grandmothers. It's been, as I grew up in the church, women who took time and invested in my life. I'm thinking of Sunday school teachers. I'm thinking of volunteers um, in the kids' ministry and then in the student ministry as I was in middle school and high school. And, and, and so that's what I want to recognize. That's what I want to celebrate here today. Uh, so as you leave today, if you are a woman, no matter your age, you get a rose as you go. So thank you so much for all that you do and all the time and investment that you place in our lives. It's so incredible. All right, well, we are in our 50-week series, about week 16, of Acts to the Ends of the Earth. Now, if you don't know the Bible really well, that's totally fine. Let me just clue you in. So as you open the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell of the ministry of Jesus on earth, right? His ministry and revealing that he is the Son of God and then giving his life as a ransom for our sins and then rising from the dead, defeating death and providing a way for us to have life everlasting. And then Acts, also written by Luke. Luke wrote Luke, obviously. And then he wrote Acts. And Acts is really then part two. It's the message of, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ through followers of Jesus. So followers of Jesus spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's part two. And we talked about this the first week that we were together. And that is we are currently in part two. We are currently still in this part two, this continued saga of telling others about the resurrected Jesus so that they can experience salvation as well. So what I want to do is I want to get us caught up on where we're at, and I'm not going to belabor it too much, just really quick, um, and then we're going to look at the passage that we're at today in Acts chapter 11. If you have Bibles, they're in front of you. If you don't, also uh, you can look on the screen with certain passages that we get to. Uh, but nonetheless, right now we're in Acts chapter 11. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it permeated Jerusalem. It just became um, a, a, a huge revival in that area. Many, many people came to know Jesus Christ as their learned Savior, but they were all what? Jewish. They were all Jewish. As a matter of fact, the Jewish Jesus followers thought that, it, that the message of the resurrected Jesus only pertained to them. And, and what we find then is that Peter, one of the original 12 disciples, received a, uh, a calling from the Holy Spirit to go and to take the message of Jesus Christ to a non-Jew. Anybody remember who that person's name is? Cornelius. So Peter hears this message of the Holy Spirit, go and tell this non-Jew about me. And Peter goes, reluctantly so, because again, he's believed that the message of Jesus Christ is only for the Jews. But then he goes and he shares faithfully Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus, and Cornelius and his entire family receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Peter is, is astounded, astounded that this, the promise of salvation, this gift, is also for them. He actually goes back to Jerusalem and he tells the other Jesus followers there, the Jewish Jesus followers, he says, I'm amazed. This is for them as well. And who am I to get in God's way, he says. But this shouldn't have been a surprise. We talked about this last week in John 3.16, the most famous verse in all the Bible, right? We see that at all the football games. And John 3.16, for God so loved the what? The world. So this shouldn't have come as a surprise, but yet it did. The message of the resurrected Jesus was for everybody, all right? So persecution happened in Jerusalem after Stephen's death. Stephen in Acts chapter 8 was killed for being a Jesus follower. This then sparked tremendous persecution for Jewish Jesus followers in Jerusalem, which forced them to go to Judea and Samaria. Now, what ended up happening then in Acts chapter 11, and we're going to look at this map here on the screen. So Antioch is way up north. You can see that. 
Antioch is way up north along the Mediterranean Sea, north of Jerusalem, there on the bottom. And so what happens is because of that persecution, Jesus followers, Jewish Jesus followers, go all around that region and start telling others about Jesus Christ, but they are only telling fellow Jews. But what ends up happening is that Jewish Jesus followers from Cyrene and Cyprus there in the upper left, they then go on a missionary journey to Antioch. That's a big deal. Antioch is a huge city. Now, you think about this. This is 2,000 years ago. Um, how many people live in Minneapolis right now, would you say? What do we think? Someone shut out a number. It doesn't even have to be right. We're all going to nod our heads. 1.4 million live in Minneapolis? Okay. That's a lot of people. Um, 500,000 people were living in Antioch 2,000 years ago. That is a booming metropolis considering uh, just population sizes in, in that day and age. And the reason that's important to know is because when those Jewish Jesus followers go to Antioch to then share the gospel of Jesus Christ to non-Jews, to other Gentiles in that area, that message of Jesus then begins to astoundly go to all around the known world. It's like, it's like it, it just catapults at that point. So this is happening in Antioch. Um, we're going to read from um, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. I want to read this to you. It won't be on the screen, but this will at least get us caught up. Actually, you know what? Let's take a moment here and look at this. So when this happened, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it a little differently. When we do that, um, so we see that this explosion was happening in Antioch. Word got back to Jerusalem. Word got back to Jerusalem that all of these non-Jews were receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It wasn't just Cornelius and his family. It was tons of people. So word gets back to Jerusalem, and, and they're like, what in the world is going on? Seriously, this is what they're like. They're like, what the heck? This is just for us? But everybody, everybody can receive the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus alone, everybody. And so they're like, we got to check this out. we got to find out what in the world is going on. So they send a guy named Barnabas up to Antioch to check out what's going on. In Acts chapter 11, verses 20 through 23, we see this. News of the explosion that happened in Antioch reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. And then in verse 24, it says, If Barnabas was a good man, wouldn't that be awesome to have your name in the Bible and have that description be associated with you? Maybe that should be our aspirations, right? Well, how would you be described in the Bible when you die? Live your life like that. Interesting. Side note. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. In verses 25 through 26, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who would later become known as Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Now, there's a critical step involved in the gospel of Jesus Christ that can easily be missed. Something that we have to highly consider is this word discipleship. Now, you've undoubtedly heard this word. Discipleship is a very common word. It's a church definitely that gets used in churches time and time again. As Christians, you probably have used this word to others Many times. You've heard this in messages, discipleship. We need to be disciples. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, this is a word that's not unfamiliar to you, but there are assumptions given as to the meaning of this word. And we, being the church, Jesus followers, we have incorrectly defined what discipleship is, largely. There are obvious things that we think of when we think of discipleship. We think of discipleship as something that you invest in learning. So you study what? You study what? The Bible. You study God's Word. You dive into God's Word. You understand who God is. You understand who Jesus is. We understand discipleship is, is involved in, in prayer, Praying faithfully, we, we understand that there's a, a giving generously component to discipleship. We understand that there's a worshiping, the Almighty, the, the creator of all things. We understand that's a vital part of it. And then we also understand that discipleship, a big part of that too, is fellowship. Being together, right? Those are obvious things. And, and so what we do is we draw a big circle and we say discipleship is this. Right? It is learning, it is praying, it is worshiping, it is giving, and it is fellowship. That's discipleship. And then what we do is we separate this whole other dynamic of the Christian life. We put it in a completely different circle, separate from what we've defined as discipleship. And instead, this is what? Evangelism. Evangelism is a Greek word that means basically proclaiming the good news. So this is what we do in the church. This is what we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is we say, okay, um, this is what I understand is discipleship, learning and growing, or praying, worshiping, giving, being together with other Christians. That's discipleship, and so I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to make those things important to me. And, and then evangelism is then the goal, what do I mean? I mean that when we often look at discipleship, we, say, we see it as a ladder. And we have, to, we have to climb that ladder. We have to learn enough. We have to give enough. We have to become bold enough. We need to understand more that God is present and, and, and that nothing Nothing can overcome us. We have to reach a certain level, a certain plateau, in order to tell others about Jesus. And so what happens is, is for those Jesus followers, and, and really quick, a quick explanation, there is a distinction that I make between being saved, because we are saved through grace, 
by faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved because of the grace that is given to us, and grace is unmerited favor. So there is nothing that you can do that makes you deserving of grace. It is freely given. That means that anybody who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead is saved. So there's a difference between being saved and being a sold-out Jesus follower. But when you are a Jesus follower and you're committed to praying, you're committed to studying God's word, when you're committed to being in fellowship with other Christians, when you're committed to worshiping God, when you're committed to giving generously, when you're committed to these things, and you decide for yourself that I have to reach a certain plateau in order to do that, you know what you never do? Is proclaim the good news of Jesus. The other part of this, too, is, is, is that for, for many um, believers, for many people who are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, um, many aren't really serious about these things. Not serious about a, a praying without ceasing, which means just uh, having constant acknowledgement of God's presence in your life. You're not serious about, about spending time in the Word of God, the living Word of God. Not serious about spending time in fellowship. Not serious about giving generously. Not serious about worshiping the Almighty. And if you're not serious about that, you know what I just did? I was. He said I, I thought I was saying Siri. What in the world? <laughs> That's the world we live in. Unbelievable. That's the devil right there. That's the devil. My goodness. A little brevity, right? Okay, so if we're not serious about those things, this, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, is like getting in a rocket ship and going to Mars. It's just completely out of reach. Instead, instead, what we, what we then are shown, we are, we are so obviously shown in Scripture, and specifically in the book of Acts, discipleship is everything. Yes, it is uh, learning. Yes, it is praying. Yes, it is giving. It, yes, it is worshiping. Yes, it is being together. And it is also going. So discipleship is at once, is at once the growth of the Jesus follower and the going of a Jesus follower. Discipleship is at once the growing of a Jesus follower and the going of a Jesus follower. As we're prone to do, um, we, we will go back in time during this series. And, and what I want to do is, is, is quick read to you what it says in Acts chapter 2. Now for those of you who aren't aware... Uh, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives his mandate to his disciples. He says, he says go and be my witness to the world, telling them the good news of, of me, the resurrected Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see Pentecost, which is the moment that the Holy Spirit came down and then, and then indwelled the life of the believer, meaning that when you are saved, that you receive the Holy Spirit. He comes inside, and you then become the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is just amazing. And then we have this description at the end of Acts chapter 2 where it talks about what the early church did, 
who they were. And there are six ingredients, six ingredients that are in that discipleship recipe. Listen to this, see if you can pick them out. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So discipleship are all those things that are obvious to us that we talked about earlier that happen here in Acts chapter 2. Learning together, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, praying together, giving together. These things are obvious to us. We look at that passage and we're like, yes, to be a disciple of Jesus, to, to then live as a church in discipleship, we are doing these things, learning together, fellowshipping together, praying together, giving together, worshiping together, but we forget that sixth and final piece, and that is going together. Going together. You know what I find really interesting? We tend to think of discipleship as kind of a sedentary life. We think of it as, as almost kind of like a monastic kind of thing, you know, where we find some sort of cave, some theoretical cave, and we're going to dwell there. We're going to grow in the Lord. We're going to learn enough, become enough, so that we can be unleashed and do. We think of discipleship as we would a college education. But that's not what discipleship is. Jesus, when he was doing his ministry on earth, three years, when he was doing his ministry on earth, did he set up shop in the middle of Jerusalem? Did he, did he rent some sort of uh, strip mall? Sit behind a desk? Did he have office hours, 9 to 4, Monday through Thursday? No, Jesus was going. Where was he going? He was going to seek and to save the lost. And where did the disciples go? They went where he went. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is being with Jesus, which they were. Those disciples were always with Jesus. And going where he goes. It's going with Jesus where he goes. There's a, an old hymn um, that I love. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, shown in the Andy Griffith show, which I adore. Um, but that it's, it's one that you probably have heard before. It gets played a lot. It's called Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And what I love about this song is it actually um, it, it pinpoints exactly what we're talking about. But yet, oftentimes when we hear the song or think about it or even sing it, we picture ourselves in a sedentary way leaning on Jesus. You know, that Jesus has kind of tucked himself under a tree and we're kind of nestled underneath his arm. But that's actually, that's not what this is. 
It is leaning into Jesus as we go with him where he goes. That's discipleship. That's what he calls us to. So what I want to do is I want to share this song with you. And as you listen, I want you to reflect on this new understanding and meaning to what discipleship is and what it means to lean into him. Fellowship, what a joy divine meaning, all the everlasting arms. What a blessing is, what a peace is my leaning on, the everlasting arms. Secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet. Walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. Sing it with me if you know. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the ever. Sing that one more time. Leaning. 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 Safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning. Leaning. Leaning on the I have a commitment to all of you. My commitment is I want to provide opportunities for me and for you to worship together, 
I want to provide opportunities for me and for you to give generously together. I want to provide opportunities for us to learn together. I want to provide opportunities for us to pray together. And I want to provide opportunities for us to just be with each other. But I want you to to commit to that with me. To do this together because I can't do it by myself. We need to be connected. Uh, We need to journey faithfully through this commitment towards discipleship. To learn, pray, worship, give, and just be together while we go together. Would you stand as we do uh, at the conclusion of each of our services? We proclaim this creed out loud together. Would you say this with me? We are the church. We have received power from the Holy Spirit. We are Jesus' witness to the world. And we will give the love of Jesus to each other, to our community, and to the ends of the earth because we are the church. Praise God. Happy, awesome woman in your life day. God bless.